Welcome to Chinuch 2.0, a show about the massive changes happening to how we do Chinuch, some of which may never be the same again. that it's been a while since the last episode, but this one was worth waiting for. We were finally able to work out the scheduling and get this interview recorded, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it very much. I'm very excited for this episode because it over-delivered on many fronts. First of all, our guest is a well-known and very special person. Mrs. Miriam Feldman, the Menaheles of Tamima High School of Atlanta. She is involved in Chinuch for many, many years and has put a lot of thought and effort into her work, as you will see from the interview. She is also the wife of Rabbi Ilan Feldman, the Rav of Beth Jacob of Atlanta, which I'm sure many of you have heard, and she's the daughter of Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, the Rosh Hashiva of Ner Yisrael Zechren Levracha. But the real reason I'm excited about this topic is because, as a parent of a few girls who went through high school, I always wondered what the purpose of high school is really all about. Is it for the learning? If so, what's all the emphasis on plays, Shabbatons, Yomiyuns? What about all those subjects that don't seem relevant or practical to everyday Jewish life? And most of all, what is a school trying to accomplish so that when a girl leaves at the end of 12th grade, she is a different person than the girl that entered four years earlier? Mrs. Feldman was more than ready with answers to these important questions. And I feel that every single high school girl, the teachers, and especially the parents, has to listen to this episode and pay attention to what she says. Too often, we wander through life without a clear purpose. And yes, it's possible to go through these four important years of high school and not get the point. Mrs. Feldman's message is a guiding light for all girls and their parents as they go through these critical and often tumultuous years of high school. It's going to be tough to top this episode. Let's get right into it and to our conversation with Mrs. Miriam Feldman. Mrs. Feldman, thank you so much for coming on Chinuch 2.0. You're welcome. So before we, we start, let's just explain to many people who aren't familiar with the Atlanta community, just give a little bit, a rundown of, of what you have in Atlanta and, and, and a little bit about your school. Okay, so our school started 25 years ago. Um, when we started at that point, this was very much about Shuba community. So we had a lot of clay kodesh, and we had we had some balabatim's kids, but we also had a lot of children of Bal- of Bali Shuba. And the idea came up to start a school, a high school, so that girls wouldn't have to leave town. Um, some girls would go to the mixed, more you know, modern school that was here, which is a very fine school for that niche. But they, the, some people had the idea of starting a school for people who are interested in growing in the Basiakov uh, direction. So 
when we started, we had to look at how to give a Torah, Tara, Kedusha, Yerush Shemaim over to kids who aren't necessarily getting that at home or who are getting the rituals, but they're not getting the Yesodos. And what becomes apparent very quickly is that even in very from homes, we assume things. And sometimes the kids don't get the Yesodos that they need, even in the most beautiful homes. So we quickly had to adapt to that and find ways to give over these foundational ideas of Amuna and Yeres Shemayim to kids all of all different types, all together in one group. Wow. <laughs> Sounds challenging. Yes. Okay, so, so let's jump right in. Uh, so we, we asked our listeners to, uh, uh, it, was, it was an informal poll and it was just for fun. We, but we asked people to, to write back to us, what, what do they feel is the purpose of a girl's high school? What is a girl's high school trying to accomplish? Is it just to keep them off the streets, keep them busy? Is it because we want to prepare them for a career? So we need to teach them in a Jewish setting, but basically secular subjects and, and, and anything that you, any, any knowledge that you need for a career. Is there a value in them actually learning Torah? And that's the purpose of high school? Or is it something else? And uh, we got so many different responses and no, nobody had a clear answer. So l- let's hear, what, what do you have to say about this? I think the answer is a very holistic one. We are aiming at an Adam Shalim. And therefore, what we try to do is have a program that is three-pronged, which means that we have a, a, a Limuda Kodesh program that is strong, that will prepare girls for seminary, that will fill them with the Torah that they need to know and be familiar with. We have a, a, we do a lot of Tanakh, um, we do halacha, we do Jewish history, all the different pieces that Beis Yaakov offers. We also have an equally strong Limude Chol program. And I'd like to explain why we do that, okay? The reason we have a strong Limude Chol program is A, the Rambam teaches us that in order to achieve Avas Hashem, you have to know about Hashem. So if a kid is going to learn about science, about the world, about history, about how Hashem has been manhig this world from the beginning, about the causes and effects and, and how really we're living through what happened before anyway. It's just a cycle. And understanding Hashem's world and understanding mathematics and the structure of the world and the, and the biology of a human being, is it possible to learn those things and not know Hashem? So, and I tell the girls that. Girls, you know why you're learning science? Because you want to know Hashem. You want to see Hashem and and get to know him. He's your partner for life. In addition, we find that sometimes schools that focus on Torah, which of course is the focus of everything we do, become mediocre. They become mediocre, A, because it's a girls' school and how much Torah the girls need to learn and how much secular studies do they need to learn. The minute you have a mediocre school, you're telling the children they don't matter. If I'm going to invest in you, and we're going to raise funds for this school. And your parents are going to pay tuition. And teachers are going to really work hard to teach you. How can I make it mediocre? I have to show you that I value you enough that I'm going to give you the most excellent education I can so you can be an Adam Shelling. The third thing is if we have a third prong of the school. And that is equally important to the other prongs. And that is the Ruchnius character development prong. 
You can't call yourself a Torah school, in my humble opinion, unless you are teaching human beings how to deal with themselves and with others and with Rebona Shalom deeply and authentically. So we have all three prongs. Let me just reassure you, Torah is the center of everything, but it all has to be done excellently. And that takes tremendous devotion and work. And 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 I'm not sure that in general high schools are are built that way because they have to finish, they have to fulfill the core requirements of their state. They want to get the girls ready for seminary. But if it's not all for a purpose that is all one purpose, then it's not going to work the same. It all has to be designed around one purpose and it's all one thing, in my opinion. What does that Adam Hashalim that you're referring to, what does that look like? What are you aiming at that, that a girl who enters when she's 13 years old, she enters high school, when she comes out at 17, what do you want that Adam Shalim to look like? It's a really good question. Okay, so, so let me think here. First of all, um, she needs to have a true connection to Torah, an understanding of that our lives without Torah are not lives. When you say Torah, well, explain. What do you that's mean Torah? A good, that's a good question. That's a good piece too. Torah means um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's word. Uh, the Chamisha Chumshei Torah give us access to Hashem's thinking. Or, for instance, we have a program in our school where we teach Tariyat Mitzvos. When I was a child, my father, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg Satzal, taught it to me. And um, he did it according to the, to the Rambam, the Yara Chazaka. And I teach it to the girls. It takes, like, it's a three-year cycle. It's, it's, it's not obligatory. It's, it's optional. But the majority of the school comes. And as we teach the Tariyat Mitzvos, an understanding of what the Rebona Shlalom wants of a Yid comes out so starkly. What are these mitzvahs about? Mitzvahs that most people don't talk about or don't hear about. Look at the kind of person he is aiming at developing. So that's Torah. Torah is a relationship to the creator of the world who says, I wrote my neshama. I wrote my neshama into the Torah. You learn the Torah, you're learning me. You learn the Torah, you're relating to me. I want them to know that, that without Torah, we have nothing. We have no direction. We have no, nothing to give us the strength to live life. The Torah is at the core. So that's, of course, that's the most elemental, elementary piece that you need. In addition, we have to understand that we were put in this world not for ourselves. We actually go through life thinking, oh, I'm here for me. I'm going to have a good life. Of course, I'll keep mitzvahs because I want Olam Haba. I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to do chesed. No, that's not what you're here for. You are here to submit yourself to the will of the Rebona Shalom. You are here to look at yourself and refine yourself. Now, do you know how to do that? How do I look at myself? How do I refine myself? How do I become a person that can have a loving relationship with a spouse where I can work through conflict? And we can have a vision together and we can work as a team. How do I give over to my children the things that matter so much to me? How do I model for them what a Jew should be? How do I teach them about a Kodesh Baruch Hu? What are the systems in my home? Now, I don't talk to them about marriage so much. We don't talk to the girls about how to raise children. But if you become a person who has structure and has goals and has a vision of who you want to become and the way to get there, 
you're going to be able to do this in your home one day. And if you can build your emuna and your understanding of a Kodesh Baruch Hu and learn to listen to that voice you have that is the voice of the neshama, which we focus on a lot, then when things come your way that are challenging, yes, it will be hard. And yes, you have to acknowledge the pain and acknowledge the challenge. Otherwise, why is HaKadosh Baruch Hu giving it to you? But then you say, okay, where do I go from here? What are the solutions I can take? What am I doing and why? That's a big question we talk about. What am I doing now and why? We have to become people that think, that have a focus, that actually have pleasure and joy in the growth that we can have and in the reliance we can have on the Rebona Shalom. I think that's what a girl needs in order to live life. And, and I'm sure there's a lot more. You know, I'm just saying this. I regalachas. But that, those are the kinds of things. And therefore, in a school, everything that happens has to be based on that vision, that the teachers have to understand the vision. The rules have to fit in with the vision. The consequences of rules have to fit in with the vision. And it has to be alive and happy. And you must attend to the individual. If you don't, you might as well walk out the doors. So very good. So it sounds it sounds amazing. Um, just practically speaking, how do you give over that message? How do the girls get that message from the subjects that they're being taught, from the classes they're being taught? Where do they hear those those, those these very important messages, which you're saying are critical for their their ultimate right. development? Right. Okay. So the first thing is the first thing is this. In order to give over any kind of Torah or messages, you have to have a clea. The clea is structure. A school must have structure, not rigid, not rigidity, but structure, which means if you're going to be in this school, we are going to expect you to put in effort. We're not going to care whether you're smart or not smart or what kind of grades you get, unless we see that you could be doing a lot more and you're not. And then we're going to want to know why you're not. But we're going to have expectations of that kind that you put in effort. The structure that we have in place is about student responsibility. Students must be treated with respect. The rules must be explained and have a reason behind them. And then we stick consistently to the rules. A teacher has a system in her class or his class, and they stick to that system. And parents will try to derail that. Parents will say, my daughter did this, and my daughter did that, and my daughter this. But we have a system in place, and we let you know about the system ahead of, ahead of time. It's not a complicated system. It's not a hard system. I'll give you an example of something that happened that was very, very painful and difficult to me, but it does give you an understanding of what I'm talking about. So we have midterms in the middle of the year and finals at the end of the year, and we're very structured about our finals. They start at 9.30 and end at 11.30. The next one starts at, at 12.30 and ends at 2.30. You must be on time for a final. If you come late for a final, you don't take it and you get a zero. Obviously, if there's some major thing that happened, we're not, you know, we're not torturing people. But part of the structure of creating an Adam Shalem is that they understand that we're held accountable. Shabbos starts at 5.13. You can't say, Hashem, I'm sorry. I, I was under too much pressure. I'm going to do it at 5.15. So we have certain things in place. You have to be on time. Good. So for finals, the thing we have in place is that you have to be in time. 
And unless there's an emergency, you don't go to the bathroom and you don't bring in things. You just bring in your calculator, your pencil or a pen, and that's it. For those two hours, you're focused and you're safe and there's no distractions. So I had an incident at the end of the year, a couple of years ago, where there was a 12th grade final and two of my 12th graders came 15 or 20 minutes late. What happened? I still don't understand it. One of them had a car and she had to stop over at the elementary school where her mother teaches and she was giving the other girl a ride. They came home late to the, they came in late to the final. I said, I'm so sorry. You know, we have this rule in place. This is your fourth time taking finals at the end of the year. I'm so sorry. We can't open the door. And I looked at them and I said, you understand this. Don't you understand? We're trying to build responsibility. You knew, did we tell you when the final starts? Yes. Were you informed about the rule? Yes. Is this something you've been through before? Yes. Have you been in the school for four years? Yes. I'm so hard, sorry, my heart is breaking. I feel terrible, but I can't open the door. You understand, they understood. Then I get the calls from the parents. My daughter is a good student. You know her, she's never done anything wrong, blah, 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 blah. So I say to myself, are you trying to destroy everything we've built here? Are you trying to tell your daughter that her actions don't matter? That she doesn't have to take responsibility? I think this is what we're up against. So in this school, we try to stick with what we say is going to be. Yes, there are exceptions and we deal with the exceptions appropriately. I'm sorry, we have a policy that's in place for your growth, for your good, and we are going to stick with it. I don't know what your question was. Now I got off track. No, we're trying to be in practical, in, in just in a practical sense, when, oh, when right. the teachers are, are teaching, how do they focus on that, on that okay. ultimate goal, which is to create this right. other So you understand how important structure is. You, if you have no kli, you have no Torah, right? If you have no kli, you have no midos. What is Torah about? It's about midos. Ramban says all the mitzvahs are about establishing a muna in a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Right. So if I don't make it real through how we deal with everything, then it's a joke. And I'm not interested in investing myself in a joke. That's one piece. A second piece is that we create programs that are extremely experiential so that they experience everything we're talking about even to the point of being crazy and mashuga. I'll give you an example. One year, the whole thing was about um, having a compass in life and knowing what direction to go in and um, being connected to the mothership. So we showed them all kinds of interesting things about going into space and the first man who walked in space and the second person who you know, attached to the, to the vehicle and the second one, I can't remember their names now, who went into space. And we taught them about following directions from the mothership. You have to listen to what they're telling you or you could die. We got everybody these space suits. We filled up our davening room with foam. And everybody had to be in that room. And we had these crazy things with them following dance moves, even if they, you know, you can't deviate from the instruction. They became astronauts. We even had these special... Uh, fake phones made that turned on as if you're getting the direction from the mothership. Everything must be experiential or it's just words. And we spent an entire year doing that. 
And I, I, you know, even though you can laugh about it and it's, oh, it's a little stupid and this and that, we had fun. We have to have fun. It has to be pleasurable. It has, we have to spend money on them and make it exciting and do all kinds of things, get them out of school, get them into nature, get them into beautiful places, talk to their neshamas and explain to them why you're making it beautiful and why you're making it pleasant and why you're making it fun. Because then you can absorb it with all of your senses because Torah is real. It's to be lived. It's not words. And then also, once you do that, they're more willing to go inside and look at the pieces of them that are not in line with what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants us to be. We all have that. We have to be real. Torah is real. Hashem is real. And every thought matters. And every action matters. Every word matters. We have a whole program of listening to the voice of Neshama. We have five Neshama principles. We have a program we teach in the ninth grade where they learn to understand what their feelings come from. It all comes from thoughts. And how do you learn to master your thoughts? That is a lifelong avoda. So if you don't give people training, how do they know how to do this? I, you see young couples with no training. You see parents with no training. You see children nowadays with no training. It's an avla. These are the children of the melech, and the children of the melech need training. I get mm-hmm. a little passionate. Yeah, yes, yes. It's it's these, these things are very important, and 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 it's it's a big job to put everything together in a school. Oh. Like as your every basically every step of a school, every process, every little uh, class that happens has to be geared in that approach. Right. Even our plays, when we do our plays, our plays are about ways that the girls will be singing songs of Tori Sodos. And as we go through the play, we do a lot of our character building program because kids are going to be jealous. They're going to feel bad about themselves. They're going to get annoyed and angry and stressed and frustrated. Okay. What do we learn from this? We put up cards all over the building. And at the end of the play, at that night, we have a, 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 a party, a cast party, and we spend a couple of hours. I wish I wish you could see it. Everybody acknowledging and endorsing everybody else in the school. They, they can't do it enough. I have to stop them. I ha- Literally, I have to stop them. You, Chaya, you, you listen to me practice so many times. And you, Devorah, you encouraged me when I was so scared about doing that scene. And so and so... Everybody gets endorsed in the entire school by somebody else. And, you know, we had a, uh, we had a director and she said, I'm saying being at that party was like being a Ghanaian. She was just so blown away. It's a beautiful thing because that means you're going to look at what other people did for you and how other people overcame their fears and stepped out of their comfort zone and transcended themselves. That's what a Besiakov high school has to be about transcending and persisting and learning to love self and other and a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Very good. Wow. Okay, so uh, talk talk a little bit about the subjects that are taught in a high school, because I see very, very often, a lot of times my, my daughters are in high school, they come home with questions, uh, they're learning things on Chumash that are not, you know, something that seemed to be a little impractical for girls. Like they're learning these complicated arachayims and kliyakars, maharals. It's hard for girls to relate. It's hard for boys to relate to it. Like, how, how, do, how does your school approach that? So that's, you have different kinds of girls. 
there is a small group of girls that want and need that. So we do track our Chumash. We do track different subjects. And in the highest level Chumash, which at times if we have a teacher that's qualified, we teach it in, in, in Ivrit. Those girls really um, get a lot. They, they feel filled up when they are challenged uh, intellectually and spiritually in that way. For the other classes, obviously, we want them to learn the basics. You know, we have a class now that's in Sefer by Midbar. They're going to learn Sota. They're going to learn Nazir. They're going to relate this to their own lives, to the beauty of the Jewish home and the beauty of the relationship, you know, uh, appropriately for their age. Um, we also have a Bikias program so that by the end of 12th grade, they've covered all 24 Sifre Tanakh. Now, if they're learning certain uh, parshios and Chomish, then the Bikias teacher isn't going to go into those parshios. She fills in all the things they don't actually learn in their classes. But if you learn the Sifre Tanakh, you're going to get a lot of Hashkafa, and you're going to get an overview of the entire Torah. And you'll step out of high school with a notebook or notebooks that are filled that you can keep adding to as you continue to learn in life. And you've got all the Sifrei Tanakh there. At the end of 12th grade, they take an overview test. We have a special class where they review all of it and they take a Tanakh overview, which gives a sense of completion. I accomplished something. But I, I agree it, that whatever you're teaching has got to be relevant for you except for that small group that needs more. And I think that a school is obligated to provide that more. You can also have chaburos. You also, I'm assuming, have hashkafa classes where people can ask questions and clarify things. And I would assume that any question, as long as it's asked respectfully and in order to know the answer, should be uh, validated and responded to. And if you can't answer it, you say, you know what? Let me go do some research so that I can give you a good answer. Or let's get rough so-and-so in here. Let's have him come and talk about this. So like when we have world history and they start doing all the world religions, obviously I pull in from the colo people who can come in and talk to them about Christianity, about Islam. So that the history teacher who's not even Jewish, he doesn't stay in the room, um, that this rough can give them a perspective. And then they just learn the basics of here's when Christianity started. And, and I don't skip it. I don't skip it. You're going to pretend that it never started? You're going to pretend that Islam never started? What are you thinking? You're going to pretend that there was no evolution discussion? What are you thinking? So I'm very clear with the teachers. We do not talk about human evolution whatsoever. But there is evolution. It continues to this day. The Torah itself talks about evolution. Things change and evolve. Look at the COVID. It's evolved. The virus. I get a rub in to talk to the girls about evolution. I do not black it out in the books. And I make sure the kids understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you don't find that, that, uh, that for the, I understand that you feel that there's a small percentage that needs that in-depth learning, but you don't find that the rest of the girls are, like tune out or lose focus or just get, become disinterested because of the, because it's, it's hard to relate to these subjects? No, we don't do it with the other girls. In other mm-hmm. words, if we're in that higher tracked class, we'll do that. And also the other thing is that um, a lot of these things are discussed and we have a lot of workshops, always built around around the theme. But, you know, in our workshops and our retreats and our Shabbatones, we stay up very, very late at night and we talk about everything. Every single thing that they want to talk about, we talk about. 
because if they don't have a chance to discuss, they're going to be filled up by a world of sheker. So let's fill them up with the emes that we have and let them, and I expect them to deal with the world of sheker. Yesterday is an introduction to Hanukkah. We had girls dressed up as Syrian Greek soldiers and they made declarations about, you know, how important the human body is, how human wisdom is the only kind of wisdom and how, you know, all those kinds of things. And then the girls had to respond to them because if you don't tell them what's going on out there, they're going to be blindsided when they leave high school. So they have to be very, very prepared. They have to know how to deal with the Yitzhahara. They have to know how to deal with all of the thoughts that are coming in from the outside world. And I'm not saying we accomplish all of this. Obviously, we're only human. We do a little bit of all of this, but we have to attend to it. Everyone has to attend to it. That's why there's so many curricula coming out now, you know, to help kids with basic Amuna questions. Baruch Hashem. But if you just have a class about, you know, tr- knowing Hashem, trusting Hashem, midos tovos, how do you know the Torah is real? That's beautiful. But if it's not in every sinew of the school and they're not living it, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. Right. Right. Oh, well, very true. Yeah. Uh, so, so my daughter's had a question. <laughs> I said, I, I promised that I would ask it. Should a school be giving different tests to girls based on their capabilities? Like in the same class, you'll have girls with higher, higher skills and lower skills. Should this test that's given to them reflect their actual level or should everybody get the same test? Absolutely. As much as you can change the test for the students, yes. But you discuss it with them first. How far can you go? What will work for me to give to you? Tell them ahead of time. I want you to know this set of Rashis. I want you to be able to translate this Ramban. Stay with those. For the other things, you can know the content, but you don't have to know what inside or whatever it is. Why does everybody have to achieve the same thing? Who cares? How will it affect your life? I'm trying to get you to take responsibility, to learn to work, to take on a challenge, to manage your time. But let's work with who you are. What are we trying to create over here? First of all, the competition, the comparisons, in in my understanding, are anti-Torah. When you say that somebody is the best in the class, you're destroying her and you're hurting everybody else. Who ever heard of such a thing? Each person does what they can do to the best of their ability. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu appreciates every effort and every growth. Why are we different? What are we doing to these children? Now, I'm not saying not to push them. Push, but give support at the same time. Push, but know who you're dealing with. They do have limits now. And we know the brain can grow. Teach them about how the brain grows. If you take on this little bit of extra, you're going to create new dendrites in your brain. And you're going to thicken all of those cords in your brain. Because we teach them about thoughts. They're all electrical impulses. You can change them. You can grow them. There's no limit but you've got to do it a tiny step at a time. Why should we destroy a child? Because she's not as brilliant as that other girl. She has kochos, believe me, that the other girl doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a favorite topic that we always that, that everybody likes to talk about, which is that today today's girls are being raised in a society that's much more exposed than ever was before. And even if you take away all the phones and all the, all the computers and all the TVs, at the end of the day, I see that my daughters know a lot, lot more than my wife does and that I did at that age. 
how does that affect the way you, 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 you teach them? How does that affect the way that the school is able to protect the girls from the, the terrible influences of society? So I, I think the idea is immunization. Like we work a lot on making it very clear what they're hearing from the world, making it as clear as we can what MS is and how it can be distorted. I'll give you an example. One Arab Shavuos, we did a workshop. Each girl came in and she got a kit to help her to deal with life. Big plastic bag. Inside that kit, there was a fake credit card, fake money, white powder in a Ziploc bag that looked like cocaine, um, beauty things, uh, you know, so they sat down and said, okay, here's everything you need to deal with life. They opened it up and they were aghast. They were shocked. And I said, okay, invited them into groups, talk about it. And they started talking about, well, you know, buying things is, is you know, we gotta, you got to buy, you got to have, you got to have the drugs, you got to have the food, you got to have the money, you got to have beautiful clothes, you got to be the skinniest, you got to be the most beautiful They got it so in the face. Now, you would say to me, what? You gave them a bag of white powder and told them, here's your toolkit for life? But they understood so well. It was so impactful. That's right. That's what the world is telling you. You got to achieve. You got to go to the best school so you can get the best house, so you can have the most money, so you can have all the cars. And then what? What do you leave this world with? What's really going to help you inside? Is that pleasure or is that counterfeit pleasure? We talk about counterfeit pleasure and real pleasure. The same way there's counterfeit money. You think you can spend it and get whatever you want. You end up with nothing. Those are counterfeit pleasures. What's the real pleasure? So can we immunize them? Each girl to a different degree. But I watch them grow. I watch them get it. Now, the problem is that after high school, you go to seminary, you have a beautiful year in Eretz Israel, hopefully. You come back and you begin to forget what you had, right? And that's why the skills for life are so important. They need different principles and strategies and tools. If they choose, they're available to them for a lifetime. Now, you can choose to ignore them and not do the work. You know, it's an act of will to do the work, but I've given you that box of tools, the real tools, not the cocaine and the credit card and the, and the beauty stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I know it sounds a little shocking, but we have to immunize them. I mean, they have mm-hmm. to understand. Olam right. you, you can't just block it out for them. It's not going to work. Absolutely not. And okay. those are the kinds of things we talk about late at night, too. Mm-hmm. And girls give, you know, they give, they change their phones to flip phones. And we don't allow phones in the school, but many girls in this community have smartphones and things like that. They're not allowed in the school, but I would rather teach them the dangers and encourage them to, to switch to the filters and, and flip phones than tell them, no, you can't do that. And if you, I see you with the phone outside of school, you're out of the school. So what am I doing? I'm pushing away Yiddish and Shama that could have grown. I probably sound like, listen, I've been in Atlanta a lot of years, so I probably do not sound like I'm in line with what a Beis Yaakov should be. But one thing I can tell you, the girls grow 
and they seek Yerushalayim and they seek goodness and they seek chesed and they want to be Ovdei Hashem. When you're real with kids, they want it. This You look at their faces, the thirsty neshamas are just unbelievable. The thirsty, thirsty neshamas. Wonderful. Oh, that, that's that's great. <laughs> you listen, you see it working. You know, you know that it's working. If you feel if you felt it wasn't working, you would obviously change. And obviously we keep trying to grow and keep trying to do better and better because you don't get every kid and you don't, you know, it's never perfect. And there's always a lot of problems, but you gotta keep pushing. Never give up. Right. Okay, here's a question that we got, which it seems like a lot of people have this question. You mentioned seminary. You mentioned about going to seminary and good seminaries. So it seems like, and, and a lot of times we hear that a school is very often modeled in trying to get their girls into a good seminary, which looks good for the school. And a seminary is there so that they, they get girls from the best schools and that pre- prepare the girls for Shaduchim. Like, it seems like everybody, like we're just running and running and we don't know where we're running to. Why are we working so hard that the girls sh- that, that for that the whole high school should just prepare the girls for seminary and that the seminary is preparing the girls for shadduchim? It seems like it's it's a little bit like focus on the now, focus on developing what you're trying to accomplish for now. So I don't think that a school should be preparing girls for seminary, except that you should be responsible to teach them skills. And the good schools that I know of send their students to um, a spectrum of seminaries. You, you, the, there could be a girl that might have to go to a seminary that's, you know, not, not for the top girls, but that's what's going to work for her. And then you have the girls that will go to the top seminary because it's what's going to work for them. And so, you know, we'll have a discussion in our 12th grade Mahshava class. We, 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 um, we talked about the Tava Sachomer, and one of the Tava Sachomer is ego. A lot of times kids will decide to go to a seminary because it looks good, because her parents want her to, because she wants to be able to tell people she's going to the seminary, because she wants a good shidduch. That's a taiva. That's not seichel. That's not what Hashem wants. That's not humility. That's not avoda and moving in the direction that you're going to grow. I had a top, top girl say to me, I want to go back to the beginning and really learn to love Hashem, right? She says that to me. So she went to one of these seminaries for girls that are rebelling because she knew she's going to get, they're going to go back and interview wow. sodas and everything. I got calls from so many people in the community. What are you doing sending this girl to that school? She wanted it. She grew. She loved it. She made wow. a difference to the other girls. And so Hashem will send the shidduch. What are we doing? What are we doing? And then all the seminaries have to have top girls. You're not going to take girls that aren't necessarily totally there. They're not shy to your seminary. You're not going to take girls that are weak intellectually. It'll be a bad name for your seminary. What are we doing? What are we doing? Even with our shidduchim with the resumes and the this and that. What are we doing? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. So what? You know how he got married? He passed by a window and they had this orphan girl inside the window kneading the dough of a challah. And guess what? She was standing on a stool because she was very, very short. 
He passed by the window and saw her kneading the dough. And he said, oh, she looks like she's someone who's going to run a good Yiddish household. And he married her. The Beis HaLevi, who had a son, Reb Chaim Soloveitchik. Guess what? She didn't go to seminary. I don't know if she was smart or brilliant or anything. She was a Bas Yisrael. What are we doing? I don't think you can air any of this. I really sound like a terrible rebel, but I'm not. I believe in Torah. I believe in Yerushalayim. I believe in learning Torah and girls steiging in seminary, going to Eretz Israel. But I think we've gotten off track. Right. Right. Okay. So, so then in your view, so what is seminary for? Like parents spend a fortune of money sending their daughters to seminary. What, what's it for? <laughs> what I, are the, what's I, to be accomplished in seminary that high school can't do and that, that the girls need to complete their, their full development? So it is a different world than it used to be. And that means that when a girl is, is 17, 18 years old, she is going to be, there's going to be an onslaught of the world around her, whether she goes to some kind of college program if she does college online through Sarishnir or something, she's going to encounter Goyim. She's going to work in an office. How will she withstand that? The, the advantage of seminary is being with a whole group of like-minded girls who are seeking to grow, who can remain, <clears throat> remain your friends for many, many years, that you have contact with teachers that are most nefesh to pour their hearts out to you, that you get to see an Eretz Yisrael Torah life that you don't necessarily see in America, which makes a big impact. Taking a group of girls into a base medrash, even, even in a tiny city like Atlanta, Georgia, we have Baruch Hashem Akolel. One time I took them, I got permission, I took them upstairs to the women's balcony very quietly, and they stood there. It was Hanukkah time. I wanted them to hear the Kol HaTorah. They came back to school, and they couldn't even talk for a few minutes. I'm not saying everybody, most of the girls were extremely affected. Some of them were crying just from the Kol HaTorah. You go to Eretz Yisrael, you see authentic Yidin who are living that way. They're living without the technology, living without the materialism. You see it. You see people who are dedicated and they teach you and they care about you. It makes a lifelong impact. I think for myself, I am still living off of a lot of what I got in seminary. And, and I, I think that many girls do. So it depends, obviously, on the seminary, and it depends on the girl. I just finished a conversation with a girl who is not mature enough yet to go away to seminary, and she knows it herself. And so she's not going next year. But you understand the pressure that's on her? And what she, I'm saying to her, you need to do what's right for you. And, of course, people make comments to her. But she has a right to grow and develop in the way that's right for her. Mm -hmm. And I okay. wish the seminaries would be Machshiv girls that aren't the best either in learning or in hashkafa. Give them a chance. Talk to them. Model for them. Care about them. Invest in them. Give them a chance to grow. Don't push them away because they're not as good as you want them to be. Right. That's not Hashem's way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, you're right. Uh, sometimes it makes you wonder. Are they, are they doing it for the right reasons? <laughs> are they running their seminaries for the right reasons? I think that I have met so many principals of seminaries that are so dedicated and ernst and most are nefesh. They want the best for their girls. I see that a lot. I have mm -hmm. tremendous respect for them. Okay, go on. Okay, let, let's wrap this up. One more question. Uh, we, we asked 
many, many different principals of girls' high schools to come on, a, on our show. And you're the only one that said yes. So I know you can't answer for anyone else, but what I sensed their hesitation was that even though they have very deeply held views and they have a lot to say on, on, the, on these questions that we spoke about, but I think that they feel like a certain inadequacy or embarrassment because they're a woman and they don't want their views being expressed in public or, or, to, or to, you know, that men should hear what they have to say. Is this a good thing? And as a society, should, is, that, is that the right attitude that women who have so much to contribute should have? You are touching on a very delicate point for me personally. My husband is a Rav in Atlanta. And there have been times when um, we have done a session together about marriage, for instance. We did ask Shilas of Shmuel Kamenetsky. He has told me that if, if your husband is with you, you're doing it together. If it's not a dinner Different, different, uh, you know, criteria. I was raised that a woman is in the ohel, and and I believe it very deeply. I also believe that this is an ace lasso slashem that we are losing our daughters, that we're losing a klal yisrael, that we're losing tinokos shalbeis rabban, that we're losing young couples, that we're losing beautiful neshamos, and that we have to appropriately, appropriately do what needs to be done. And, you know, the idea that that Yaakov suffered with Dina because he hid Leah in a box. Dina. Dina in a box. And if he hadn't hid her, maybe she could have influenced Asab. I'm not saying, God forbid, that we should do away with any of our moors of Tznius. But Without the women of Klai Yisrael taking a stand, I'm very frightened. I see what's happening. Talk to these women. Inspire them. Give them care and love and attention. Explain what Yiddishkeit is about, that the Rebunner Shalom loves you, and he holds you to a certain standard. If we don't do this, we will lose them by the thousands. Am I doing right in, in talking publicly? I don't know. Wow, <laughs> that was powerful. <laughs> okay, this is great. I, I think a lot of people will be very inspired by what you said, and and hopefully this will influence a lot of people to, for good things. Thank you so much for coming on, Mrs. Feldman. Okay. You've been listening to Chinuch 2.0, a show exploring the changes happening to how we do Chinuch. Chinuch 2.0 is hosted and produced by me, Aaron Parks. You can subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts or on our website, chinuchshow.com. For suggestions, comments, or guest ideas, please visit chinuchshow.com. Thanks for listening.